Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about the latest disaster epic from Roland Emmerich. It is the movie where the moon is going to fall on the earth. It is Moonfall. And joining me to talk about it is Daryl Armstrong from the Cyber Shorts VR Film Festival. Daryl's been on the show before, and I am always happy to have people back and talk about more movies. So we have that conversation coming up here in a second. Got a lot of good puzzle pieces in it. So, uh, and you know, when you talk about a disaster movie, of course you're going to talk about some of the... uh, you know, the usual suspects that uh, come up whenever you're talking about disaster movies. But we get some uh, interesting different ones in there as well. So good, good conversation coming up. Before we get to it, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pocket Casts, on Podchaser, and on Good Pods, where we just broke into the top 10 indie film podcasts. Uh, Thank you, everybody who listens on Good Pods. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, While you're at it, make sure you're subscribed. You can rate and review us. Uh, Do that wherever you listen to podcasts. If it's Good Pods, awesome. If it's Apple Podcasts, if it's wherever. If there's a five-star button, hit the five-star. We really appreciate it. And uh, otherwise, just keep listening, keep sharing the show, follow us on social media at PiecingPod, join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Thank you for being out there, and thank you for continuing to listen. So, let's talk about the moon falling on Earth. I'm excited to talk about this one. All right, so joining me to talk about Moonfall, a completely insane, ridiculous movie. Uh, We've got with us Daryl Armstrong from the Cyber Shorts VR Film Festival. Daryl, how's it going? Uh, Pretty good. It's good to be back, David. Yeah, yeah. And since the last time you've been on the show, you have got a new title to add to your name. Tell us about what you've been up to lately. Uh, I do. I have taken over as the webmaster for the Damn Short Film Festival. That's um, awesome. Which uh, is based out of Boulder City in southern Nevada. It's become somewhat of a piece of 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 culture in in southern Nevada. Yeah. Um, it's going into its 18th year now. Um, very excited about that. And yeah, I'm I'm uh, working as the webmaster for it, just doing technical stuff behind the scenes mostly. 
but for sure it, it, for it's sure. fun to be able to host a film festival get independent you know directors um filmmakers um some exposure absolutely and i i always have so much fun at the damn short film festival it's you know definitely as far as like you know what happens here in southern nevada it's it's always like one of the most fun festivals and uh, i'm hoping um i know this year is virtual but i'm hoping next year uh we can maybe go back you know i always have such a great time in boulder city yeah I, i we're having some events uh still uh live in boulder city um, but most of it is, uh, basically online this year again. Sure. Well, you know, speaking of independent films, uh, the, <laughs> the movie we're about to talk about Moonfall, uh, yeah. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. The, this is an independent movie. Basically. It is. I, I, it's insane. The, the, I mean, Roland Emmerich is, you know, he, he's a name when it comes to movies. I mean, obviously Independence Day is, is fantastic i will hear no negative talk of independence day it's probably my number one favorite theatrical experience of my life i was 16 at the time that it came out which is kind of the perfect age to be when a movie like independence day comes out uh his movies since then you know hits and misses not not nothing has quite reached that level uh but he has certainly been successful enough to have amassed uh, a little bit of a fortune and basically uh, aside from some outside investors, basically made this insane, over-the-top disaster epic himself. That's interesting. Um, I would say Stargate was the film that Stargate was when awesome. I, I was in my early teens and mm. just starting to find my own taste in in films, and uh, Stargate was the movie that kind of eh, hooked me on film going. Honestly. Um, I still right. love that. Uh, like you said, you'll hear nothing bad said of uh, Independence Day. I will hear nothing bad said of Stargate. Stargate rules. It, it's so great. And I, I haven't watched it in a long time. I don't know how it holds up, but um, I, I'm going to have to revisit it one of these days because I used to love it so much. And, you know, I, I, any of these movies that deal with like big, over the top, huge sci fi, you know, ideas and theories and and all this kind of stuff um you know they can be a lot of fun to revisit because they just they just get so crazy and they 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 buy into their own craziness and and that makes for a fun movie and that's part of i think what's going to run through uh a lot of this conversation here because that that's the thing with this movie moonfall uh we were we were sold on a movie where the moon falls onto the earth, which is a fantastic premise, but uh, we got quite a bit more than that, I would say. And uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that this movie is a classic. Uh, I did not love it, but I, I had some fun with it. And I do like uh, a movie that totally swings for the fences like this and totally goes for broke with its insanity. Yeah, well, uh, that reminds me. So this is the third time I've been on uh, your podcast now. Uh And uh, the first film, you were saying Swinging for the Fences, I remember talking about with The Empty Man. Yeah, absolutely. That Um, is a uh, bonkers movie as well. Yeah. uh, You know, so so I've been on for that um, kind of a cult horror film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a biopic with the eyes of Tammy Faye, and sure. now an independent sci-fi 
film from Roland Emmerich. I think I'm really nailing uh, a niche right here. I, um, I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. It's <laughs> unstoppable forces. Um, that's that's kind of the uh, yeah. That's the through the through line here. But uh, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. I'm sure there are some uh, obvious obvious ones that will most likely have some overlap in our list. But uh, what do you have for your first piece here? Uh, for the first piece, I have to go obvious. Mm-hmm. The former films of Roland Emmerich. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. I, watching this, I felt like this film is basically like a Rosetta Stone for the science fiction, end-of-the-world apocalypse films that Roland Emmerich has made before. Mm. Um. Now he's kind of he's kind of actually done different things uh throughout his career. He he he's kind of done like a sci-fi film and then a drama and then a historical epic and then it 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 goes back and forth. He did um I, I was looking up his uh, filmography, you know, he did um the Shakespeare film Anonymous Right, right. He did Midway most recently, mm-hmm. which was, uh, I believe, a World War II film. Yeah, he's trying to do something different with that one, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, he, like, I, I think he's, mo- when most people hear his name, they remember Stargate, Independence Day. Also, Universal Soldier. <laughs> right, right. That's true. I always forget about that. Hollywood debut, which which has become a cult classic in its own right. You know? Sure. Um, but he's done these, uh, and he did The Patriot with uh, Mel Gibson, which was this adventure drama historical epic uh, about American independence. He did uh, Stonewall, and he did 10,000 BC. So, like, he's kind of going back and forth uh, between these like historical epics and dramas and these you know big sci-fi films that I think most people are recognize him for, sure. But what I what I thought while watching Moonfall was the the science fiction end of the world stuff. This is kind of the Rosetta Stone for that. There's bits of Stargate in it. There's bits of Independence Day in it. There's bits of 2012 in it. Mm. Uh, it, It's this... And and I would argue even Universal Soldier uh, in the way that it was developed um, as as an independent film. uh, As a B film. A B science fiction film. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I think it incorporates the alien sensibilities of stargate of uh humans evolving from however many tens of thousands or hundred thousands or millions of years ago into it um the end of the world catastrophe stuff of of uh 2012 and the day after tomorrow yeah and he's got characters who are reminiscent of characters in Independence Day as well. Yeah. I like I think I think it feels to me like uh sometimes uh you have a favorite band or songwriter and it, it sometimes it feels like they keep making the same 
albums or the same songs working on the same sure. themes over and over again and this is what it feels to me this film is like him just going back to all of his hits yeah and putting them all together yeah and and i think that you know one thing that you could kind of see through a lot of these especially the disaster films but you know some somewhat in some of the other ones as well is you get to kind of get an idea of this guy's worldview of what our biggest problems are because he he really does seem to think that we're going to face some kind of big gigantic event like this and uh you know a movie that it's too new to be a puzzle piece but i think you know could definitely be brought up within you know the terms of this conversation is don't look up uh, adam mckay's movie about a comet coming to hit the earth and everything that happens with government how stupid government is along the way and a big satire of all that and is is that, this your puzzle that movie piece? no it's not it's not a puzzle okay. piece it's more of just a companion piece that i think needs to be a part of the conversation uh my my first puzzle piece which i'll bring up in a second was a puzzle piece for don't look up i mean it's obviously armageddon it's the the most obvious mm. piece on the entire list but for both of these movies though you know it, it's a big crowd pleasing you know disaster epic where there's something hurtling towards earth and regular people have to save the day basically so i mean that's where we're going here but i feel like in in a weird way even though don't look up is the movie that will get hailed as being smart and addressing climate change in in a way that uh you you know has something to say I'm not saying that Moonfall is smart or has something to say, but it's made by somebody who clearly gives a shit that there's a big problem. And he, he's saying, I don't know what the fuck to do about it. You know, maybe, maybe it's aliens. Maybe we're going to, maybe we're going to go up there and find alien technology. And that's going to help us to, uh, to, to fight back and save the day and make a, a new earth that we can all live on together in peace. But, uh, I don't, I don't know. So here's just some popcorn epic, you know, adventure action stuff. Well, yeah. and maybe that's more fun is, is what I'm saying here. Yeah, going back to that, you know, it is a uh, definitely a theme he has done multiple times now. Yeah. You know, and he makes it fun in a way, yep. you know, the destruction of the world, you know, if that actually happened in, in some sort of way would be immensely, unbelievably traumatic and, and awful. Yeah. He, you know, makes it fun to watch in a way. Yeah. But Here we he lose keeps... Michael Pena, which is sad, but otherwise it's all just yeah. awesome, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, again, he keeps bringing this theme up. It's obviously something he thinks a lot about. Yeah. I don't know what that says, but um, but I also think it really does tie back into the not uh, directly... Uh, catastrophic films that he's made, like The Day After Tomorrow or 2012, um, mm. but actually ties in uh, some themes from like Stargate and Independence Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and again, like, I don't, uh, up front, I don't think it's that great of a film. Sure. But yeah. <laughs> it, it ties all of them together. So I think if you watch this, you would have a touchstone to be able to watch any of his previous sci-fi yeah. or destruction epic films. Absolutely. 
So, uh, yeah, so Armageddon is my first piece, and it, it's it's one that I think you, you can't really talk about this movie without talking about. And But, you know, it, it's... It, I feel like anytime there's some kind of giant object coming towards Earth, you kind of have to talk about Armageddon, right? So, um, falling in line with that, um, I'm going to go with something outside of film, um, mm. specifically. Uh, the video game the dig um, okay i don't know if you're familiar with it i am absolutely oh really okay yeah so this was a video game uh that was made by lucas arts in i think 1995 96 that sounds there. about right and it was originally developed um by steven spielberg it was his idea originally about this i, I it was an asteroid that was heading toward the Earth. Uh, again, tying back into maybe don't look up as a sure. a current touchstone. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he worked with uh, George Lucas originally, uh, some other um, uh, developers, and uh, the story, as far as I understand it, is he didn't feel like he could film it make it a film at the time mm. but it, it's the story of uh this this asteroid heading toward earth and very similarly to armageddon to don't look up um to this film in a way a team of astronauts go up to this asteroid and you know the idea is to you know plug in some nuclear explosions to blast it apart so it won't destroy the earth sure in the dig the game which was uh like a point and click adventure game lots of fun for me i i think maybe people of a certain age growing up uh lucas arts did a bunch of these kind of games of indiana jones they had a series they were amazing and of course the monkey island games monkey island day of yeah. the tentacle was oh that's one the of best my one. favorites yeah but it's 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 like story it's plot based uh with a bunch of like point and click puzzle solving elements yeah uh and it was fun and so the dig uh and they wound up having orson scott card who uh, is famous for um ender's game uh which was made into a film a few years ago right yeah uh, i guess probably a decade ago now but <laughs> It, it was just this amazingly fun game where you know you're you're going up and you know trying to save the earth that's the the premise behind it right. and then when you get up there it winds up being part of this uh adventure where they discover another alien species yeah uh was behind it and you wind up teleporting like other places in the galaxy but this went there um yeah it sure did <laughs> you know <laughs> and this is so reminiscent of that it, you know yeah. in, in a different way but i i thought you know and i have no idea if emirate you know was thinking about this game but it it definitely I think is a piece of, you know, cultural artifact that that 
you know, you can tie it together. Sure. Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, you would think, you know, oh, Roland Emmerich, you know, inspired by video games, you're going to go to some big giant, you know, action epic with explosions and all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> but, yeah. but no, I mean, you got some really cool, interesting sci-fi ideas that, uh, that, that are happening here. And so, yeah, that, that game ruled. I forgot about some of those, uh, particular plot points though. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. That that's, that's a real blast from the past for me there, because I, I love that game back, uh, back when <laughs> that came out. That's awesome. Well, I'll go ahead to uh, to another piece, and you know we've already gotten into spoiler territory here, so uh, we're talking about what ends up happening in the movie, aside from just the initial premise of the moon falling, and we we eventually get to the big reveal that there was a, an early version of humans who lived all around the galaxy, and they're the AI that they had developed rose up and destroyed them all and they found refuge basically inside the moon which the moon is a man-made structure that is a base for them to hide out and that ai that rose to destroy us all how can you not think of terminator and uh the way that the whole terminator series has unfolded with, with AI that came alive at a certain point and just immediately wanted to destroy us all, uh, if for no other reason than for screw humans, we're AI and we don't need you anymore. And, uh, you know, the humans that are still alive in the future in Terminator, uh, instead here in Moonfall, they're on the moon. They need the help of somebody from, in Terminator, it's someone from the past, in Moonfall, it's someone from Earth in order to help in the fight to fight back against that AI. And so uh, th there's a lot of parallels to the way that that all plays out, but especially to the AI uprising, that's like the main thing here. I, I didn't think of it myself, but yes, of course, obviously Terminator. Um, listening to you talk there, um, it reminds me of, uh, as you're talking, Iron Sky. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Which goes into this uh, thing, like the the Nazis uh, from oh, Germany, yeah, you yeah. know, um, made a moon base. Um, <laughs> For sure. Uh, I, I mean, I I think we're definitely in this this kind of B science fiction, yeah, area here. Um, by the way, I almost brought up Transformers Dark Side of the Moon because there's Transformers oh. on the moon. But, you know, that that, you know, that could be on the I, list as well, I suppose. Okay, so I, you know, I I grew up uh I loved the Transformer. The Transformers was probably at least for a period of time from, you know, I don't know, from when I was like 7 to 10. Mm. It was my favorite cartoon. Sure. Um and I I cannot stand the movie the live action yeah. series except maybe the bumblebee one shot they did yeah that was fun the first one is good and there are things i like about some of the other ones i, I do i talk all the time about how much i like a ridiculous swing for the fences movie the last night is about as ridiculous as they get and so i i had fun with that one just because it's it's so over the top but um yeah those movies are a bit much <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Dark Side of the Moon would have been another one that would have been relevant here. Sure, I, I, but I just I don't think of it because I I don't know what's going on in any of those movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Is Iron Sky a uh, an official puzzle piece here? Oh no, no, that was just moon something I, I thought of um, <laughs> as as a moon, you yeah. know, secret moon base kind of thing. Uh, sure, we sure. Um, I'll put it on the official list, but I'll let you jump to another piece here. <laughs> okay. Um, Interstellar uh, would be my my next piece. Sure. Which might be giving this a little too much credit but <laughs> i think most of these pieces are but you know the he tried to incorporate the storyline of you know a father and a child uh in this case not a daughter but a son being a you know touchstone of mm-hmm. uh something that that uh, not necessarily aliens, but you know, previous versions of of humanity would would be able to speak to us through. I don't think it worked at all. <laughs> like the the sun is set up at the beginning, um, and, and we're talking about uh, Patrick Wilson's character. Um, yeah, he plays um, what's his name, Brian Harper, an astronaut. Uh, and is I I think it's like the I don't know fourth or fifth scene in the film uh, we see his son who is named Sonny by the way oh <laughs> there you go <laughs> he's being arrested uh, for leading uh, police on a high speed chase bizarre and Just we're a supposed bizarre to, story choice we're supposed to I think as an audience say well it's not that big of a deal you know he's a young kid had a bad time made a bad decision apparently some bad decisions are worse than others yeah um i i don't think that's a particularly relatable one for most Mm -hmm. people so i don't get that story choice the plot choice at all doing that? Very strange. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I think one of the... I mean, this movie gets very, very ridiculous, of course, but one of the worst aspects of the movie, I think, is that father-son relationship that just simply doesn't work for exactly the reason you're talking about. The son is, like, such an asshole. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't care what happens to this kid at all. Because, right, right, I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. You know, like, he sucks. The first scene you see him in, and you're like, okay, you know, maybe he did make a bad choice, but, like, this is a serious bad choice. Mm-hmm. I don't care that much. I have no... Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it yeah. did the same similar kind of thing with Interstellar, you know, trying to then create this uh, connection between the two characters, just in a really worse way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, I, I'll go to another puzzle piece here that kind of just combines right along with Interstellar very well, I think. Uh, and that is Contact, uh, the movie with, oh. with Jodie Foster, which, yeah. which also, uh, what is it, 97, um, which I think is great. I've, I've only seen it once or twice. Robert Zemeckis, of course, directed it. Um, but the the way that the alien presents itself as a kind of construct of something that will be relatable for the main character, uh, in this case, as his son, uh, as a way yes. to to speak to him, which is uh, similar to, to what happens to, to Jodie Foster's character in, in Contact. So I, I think that kind of 
probably was a bit of a uh, if we had been doing piecing it together back when Interstellar came out, I, I think Contact probably would have come up at that point as oh, well. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it, it definitely is an inspiration on both of these things. I am I am now officially shocked because I think at this point we won't have any overlapping puzzle pieces. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. And I was confident going in that we were going to find it. <laughs> we'll see um, what happens. But no, that, that's that's a really good one. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and, well, and I, and I think that contact uh, also plays into uh, a relationship with with the dig, the video game. Sure, as yeah, well. Absolutely, um, there are a lot of similar threads and and themes running through them. Damn, I wonder if the dig is playable anywhere. That, that's going to be like the takeaway from oh, this whole conversation. It is. I want to no, go replay the dig. I I did just. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I did about well, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> when I was shut in, didn't have anything to do. I fa- uh, found an emulator online. Nice. I didn't do the whole thing, but yeah, nice. Uh, it brought back memories and probably why I thought of it now. Yeah, it's fresh on again. the mind for sure. <laughs> yeah. So what do you what do you got next? Um, going back, it, it, this is, again isn't a film. Uh, piece but mm-hmm. in a weird way it's it's related to my first piece of previous Roland Emmerich films Stargate SG-1 that's the series right the TV series yeah yes yeah I never did watch that really so like it has this really niche like fan base and I guess I would count myself among that uh, it, it, it it's such a fun series I've watched it through now three times Wow. Um, I think there's like 12 seasons. Um, Jeez. It's like original Star Trek series, goofy a lot of times. And if, you, if you're the type of person who it appeals to, watch a few episodes. If you like it, you're going to like it. If not, it, it's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. But... uh. It's funny because uh, Emmerich, um, as far as I can tell, like he didn't even take a uh, executive producer or producer credit for the series. Right. Um, he had, he had written and directed, of course, the original Stargate film, um, but he he seemed to be completely hands off and just I I don't know if it was so I I don't know the the uh, details, uh, but he he had no involvement in the series which famously brought on macgyver um <laughs> well that's a fun uh, mashup yeah i forget i forget the the actor's name off the top of my head as basically the lead character taking over kurt russell's role from the film richard dean anderson that's okay and and he was great actually i thought uh but Anyway, the, the 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 TV series, you know, went on for like twelve years. Uh, it had multiple spinoffs. Uh, one of them, Stargate Atlantis, gave Jason Momoa his first big role. Hmm. Um, which afterwards, of course, he's launched into a huge film career from. Oh yeah. But there were uh, there were a few plot lines in Stargate SG One specifically around this AI race 
basically, uh, that developed uh, on a world and began to try to spread out and, and take over the rest of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And again, as I was watching like the last third of this movie with this huge like exposition dump. Sure. At the end, I'm like, there is so much of this that was played out in a few seasons uh, in Stargate SG-1 that is kind of this weird Ouroboros thing where Emmerich created the original Stargate film. These other people went and did their own thing with it completely without his involvement came up with this storyline that he is now i'm not saying he took it but definitely there's some interaction for sure yeah Yeah. in in there with it um and, and it was like this big deal for like two or three seasons and they actually used it to i think uh solve one of the major storylines in uh stargate sg1 but yeah i i guess this ties back to my first puzzle piece it just seems like this film is like the rosetta stone to everything roland emmerich yeah i mean i i think it's pretty safe to say he's a pretty big conspiracy theorist um well and he probably he probably loves a lot of it maybe he doesn't necessarily believe it all but he at least loves all this stuff yeah yeah absolutely um what is it john bradley's character professor houseman yeah casey casey houseman and he seems like a like mashup of randy quaid's character from independence day sure and jeff sure. goldblum's character from actually independence day as well yeah, a little of both. I, I would also throw in there, uh, I mentioned this in our trailer episode when we talked a l- briefly about Moonfall, uh, the Brian Tyree Henry character in uh, Godzilla vs. Kong last year oh. with his whole podcast, his whole conspiracy theory podcast. So, yeah, I feel like conspiracy theorists and podcasts are big in action movies right now. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he gets to be right you know yeah. the conspiracy theorist who is right sure and it's fantasy filmmaking right there <laughs> you know i i'm not much into conspiracy theories at all um mm-hmm. but the idea of having some uh special insight or knowledge into something that nobody else sees that you do is i think you know it 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 it's relatable you know, sure. and, and fun yeah. to think about. Yeah. Fun to think about number one, which is what they are, you know, to begin with. So it, it makes sense that that would translate into big blockbuster filmmaking for it to still be fun to think about in, in those kind of, uh, in those kinds of movies. But speaking of the AI, I'll go to another puzzle piece here, which kind of, uh, leans into our, our villain of the movie, uh, isn't the moon. Uh, it, it's actually, it's actually <laughs> it's not the actual this, moon. The moon yeah, it's not is the not actual moon. Yeah, the, the moon end, is. The uh, it do, yeah. it doesn't want to attack us. Um, yeah, no, it's this big uh, AI snake thing that's made out of uh, millions of AI robots, uh, which is 
absolutely ridiculous. But um, my puzzle piece here is actually a movie I recently rewatched for the first time since the theater for an episode of Piecing It Together. It's The Matrix Revolutions, the yes. third one in the nice. series. Which is not a good movie either, by the way. Uh, but there's a uh, scene. I will in disagree it. with you there. Okay, you like the Matrix Revolutions? Okay, I did. Well, I I will say it was of the original trilogy. It was my second favorite. I'll I'll go. I liked it more than Reloaded. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, one of the biggest problems with the movie actually is that it takes about forty minutes to just take away from any of our main characters to focus on this thing called the battle of zion where all these characters that we don't know much about and will never care about again after this movie uh all just shoot machine guns at this big swarm of ai robots that are just flying for some reason these things they're so smart that they can destroy everything in the universe (laughs) but they can't they can't come up with an attack pattern that lets them like you know spiral out into different you know waves of formations instead they all just swarm together where you can just shoot directly at them and that's that's exactly what these ai robots do here they decide to swarm together into a big snake formation when if they were to just spread out they could just destroy everything in like seconds but uh, lucky for us they don't do that Yeah. yeah, so they're not very smart. That's my that's my point. So. <laughs> so so this is something else I was thinking about while watching the film, and I think this plays into this. Um, I uh, have spent a lot of time um, since COVID um, lockdown getting uh, into playing Dungeons and Dragons again. Okay. And uh, as a DM, a dungeon master, so I run the game, and there's this like it's it's hard to tell a story without just giving tons of info dumps and i felt Mm. like this movie suffered from a lot of info dumping right and uh, then back to the point you just made as a dungeon master like running a game for a bunch of players I want them to have a chance to win. <laughs> if, 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 if I created a character in AI that was smart enough and, and had enough resources to literally just swarm everything. Sure. They don't have any chance. No. Uh-uh. So I think, I think that's what happened here is a narrative choice. We got to get these dumb humans like a chance to survive, basically. Which, right. <laughs> and, and, and again, uh, a very good uh, piece uh, observation. They use, yeah, basically the same idea from uh, the Matrix uh, Revolutions that, you know, swarming, snake like, I don't know what you could want, like, swarm of, of, of AI. Where if they really were that smart, they wouldn't just be swarming in one thing where you can still hit them with a regular Yeah, weapon. aim all your missiles there in that right. one spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of video games, you brought up the dig. Uh, I, on our Matrix Revolutions episode, I brought up uh, the Geometry Wars video games. It reminded me of that as well. Where, oh! Uh, where they're all just... You know, you, you memorize that pattern and you know where to aim at. You know, you know where to stay away from and where to shoot. Uh, same thing here. Right, right. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, going back to my point, like, I, you know, I think it's 
an intentional narrative choice the the storyteller is is making and you know sometimes i do think you know uh film fans and critics get a little too involved with those specifics and like that's yeah. not realistic right well, you right know, Aesop's fables, none of those are realistic. There are no talking foxes or mm. it's a it's a it's a way we communicate with each other and tell stories and we all love it. Yeah. We love telling each other stories and watching stories and listening to stories other people tell us. Yeah. You know, and this is a goofy one. Um <laughs> fair. <laughs> but you know, uh we're talking about it now, right? That's right. Yeah. That's what it's a beautiful about. thing. It's a beautiful thing that Roland Emmerich has done for us. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have one more last last piece. And this is this is gonna be, I think, a little outside the box uh mm -hmm. from what you normally do. Um, this is a piece about not necessarily so much what's on screen, although it does affect what is on screen, but mm. how the film is made. Okay. Uh, and we, we, we mentioned earlier, this is an independently funded film. Right. <laughs> and we mentioned Michael Pena. Uh, his introduction, there is this amazing pan and scan with the greatest uh, uh, product placement I, I think I've ever seen just a huge Lexus logo on the side of the wall and we scan yeah. over and get introduced to Michael Pena's character. It was bleedingly obvious Lexus paid a bunch of money to help fund this and, and yeah. be advertised in it. I don't know if SpaceX was was a funder, but they got name checked, and Elon yeah, Musk. I was actually did. a little worried that uh, that Elon Musk was going to show up in the finale of this and like help save the day or some shit. Oh. Like <laughs> that's how much they 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 really are like kissing his ass in those early scenes. That would have that would have either bumped it into too bad to be fun or right. <laughs> just plain too painful to watch. Yeah. I I don't know, but this this got me thinking. The one of the first uh, films that we know of uh, hi historically that that had product placement that got it help to make it um, mm. was a was an old Buster Keaton film uh, from mm. the nineteen twenties called uh, The Garage. Okay, and um, there were placements of Firestone tires, which I think Firestone tires they're still around. Sure. Right there thing. And Red Crown Gasoline were prominently featured. And then the very first film that won an Academy Award for Best Picture, uh, 1927, was Wings, which was a, I think it was a World War One film. It had one of Gary Cooper's first appearances in film. Um, but very prominently featured in Wings was Hershey's candy bars. Hmm. So as a puzzle piece, I, I think it, it makes sense. The way Emmerich got this film made, he, he didn't 
finance it through a studio. It was it was independently funded through partially um, you know sponsors. Yeah, uh, and this has been a tradition. You know, since the beginning of the Hollywood era. Yeah, it absolutely has. And you know, these things, uh, these products, wind up on the, in film. You know, we see it. We see that Lexus logo right there. Sure. You know, it takes up a good, I don't know, 10 seconds of screen time. Yeah. You know, just like we saw the, you know, Hershey's bars in Wings and, you know, these these other first films that, that did this. I like to think that all of the actors got to uh, drive away in a brand new Lexus at the end of the day. <laughs> so. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I I love the garage and wings as I, as puzzle pieces here. Fantastic to just I would, include those on this. <laughs> I would like to think that 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 every viewer would be able to drive away in a Lexus. That would that would be nice. Yeah, then I think this movie would get a little bump on Letterboxd. If, Probably. Uh, if, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go with one last piece uh, and. That is going to be Ridley Scott's Alien prequels. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Yeah, c- couple of movies I love, personally. I know not everybody likes them, but uh, partially, I- I'm using these partially for reasons that I-, I do love and partially for reasons that are the biggest problems with those movies. I love that you get this big, huge, kind of batty idea of of what the origin of humans were you know mm-hmm. and and that's that's what i love so much about prometheus and alien covenant i love the direction that ridley scott took this story and even though it's obviously just crazy sci-fi movie stuff i i just find it so fascinating i think it's so well put together and and so interesting that it's it's really what i what i love so much about those movies not quite as successful here, but at least, again, they're swinging for the fences. They've got this big, ridiculous sci-fi idea of where humanity came from. What doesn't work so much, and also didn't work so much in Prometheus and Alien Covenant, even though I love those movies, is that we're getting that in what should just be a big, fun, action sci-fi movie. Uh, in this case, with Moonfall, about the moon falling on the Earth. Why? It, that's why I went to the movies, was to see the moon fall on the Earth. Instead, I get the origin of humanity, and there's aliens out there, and they need our help fighting an AI and all this shit. Hopefully one day, you know, everything comes back around. Every movie, every idea gets done again. I'm hoping 20, 30, 40 years from now, we get another movie where the literal organic moon... <laughs> falls on the earth i was yeah i i think a lot of people hope we get alien prequels or something that don't involve you know david the android and the origin of the species but you know we get what we get i guess right all right a little off topic but since you brought it up i love Uh david the android oh he's so good best part of those movies i feel like it just didn't go far enough in a direction that I felt made sense or was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 David's character is the most interesting part for me about those films. Sure. Even yeah, though absolutely. I don't feel like it measured up to what I thought of it could mm-hmm. be. But that's Ridley Scott's films. This film, 
uh, in a similar way, I, I guess, uh, I was just talking to my friend. I watched the trailer for it, and I feel like the trailer for Moonfall was so much better than the actual film because yeah. I had these ideas I was, you know, envisioning about the moon falling. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, and it, it didn't it didn't really quite get there. Um it yeah, yeah it went kind of on in this left turn that uh didn't work for multiple reasons, but I don't hate it. Yeah, yeah. It it also it also was very it, it could have gone way over the top lengthwise as well. Like you could see where if this is the movie that you're making, you could just like kind of get very full of yourself with the idea and decide, oh, this has to be like two hours and fifty minutes long because we're saving humanity from the moon. And right. uh, thankfully, they didn't go that direction. It, it's a pretty tight, I think, two hours. Again, I ha I have to view it as like a B movie. Mm -hmm. It's a fun B movie. Yeah, absolutely. With with Hollywood level special effects. Yeah. You know, and with Hollywood-level special effects and some great actors. Yeah. Halle Berry and... Um, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. They are... They're great to watch. I Like, I don't think I've ever hated a performance from either of them. Sure. And, yeah. you know, they nail what they're doing here. Yeah. You know, it seems like they're having fun and... <laughs> Well, they're saving the world. Of course, they're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, probably cash to paycheck. And... I'm I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Well, I'll go ahead and do the uh, finished puzzle here and just read down the list very quickly of what we talked about. Um, and then I have a couple closing thoughts I wanted to bring up, and we'll see if you've got anything as well. Okay. Uh, but we talked about, of course, the other films of Roland Emmerich. Uh, we talked about Armageddon, the video game or computer game, The Dig. Uh, the Terminator series. We squeezed in Iron Sky and Transformers Dark Side of the Moon in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Interstellar, Contact, Stargate SG-1, The Matrix Revolutions, The Garage and Wings, and The Alien Prequels. So I, I do have a couple of closing thoughts I wanted to get into before we wrap this up. The first of which, um, we also talked about Don't Look Up quite a bit during this. Uh, it yeah. kind of came up a, a few times. I feel like Don't Look Up and this movie Moonfall coming together reminded me of a couple of movies that I almost included, but I haven't seen them literally oh, no. since opening nights at the theater. And so I, I didn't remember them enough to really bring them up. Uh, but I just wanted to give it a shout out. The Red Planet and Mission to Mars in 2000, when we got yes. two movies at the same time that both dealt with the exact same thing, basically dueling big idea, science fiction, space movies. We need more of these movies, even though those are both awful. And both of these were not very good. Um, you know, uh, we need more of them. Well, there, there, there was Lowe's and then, uh, with Armageddon, uh, there was mm -hmm. also deep impact. Sure. Yeah. That's another example. At yeah. about the same time. It's weird when that stuff happens. And then there was, Dante's Peak and Volcano. Volcano. I, I want to see more of those things happen in in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know. Do, do you count Marvel and DC superheroes as as dueling oh, God. movies? <laughs> Whenever we because get to an episode get without now, talking right? about them, that that's uh, <laughs> that's a win. I think. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I guess you have to talk about them. They are, uh, and and they happen about four times a year, right? So, right. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> the the other closing thought I had that I wanted to bring up real quick: Did you catch the shining pattern uh, in the hotel? The the is sort of like the carpet repeating pattern of the shining hotel was in the hotel in uh, in Moonfall, which. Brings to mind that I, I saw online, I'm not the only person who thought of this, all those conspiracy theories, speaking of conspiracy theories, of Kubrick being involved in the faking of the moon landing. The faking of the moon landing, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that that's intentional, and I think that's uh, all part of Roland Emmerich's having oh. fun with, with conspiracy theories. Well, that would be, a, yeah, that's a great Easter egg if that was intentional. Yeah. Or even if not, I'd... Yeah, yeah, I I, sure. I didn't specifically catch that, but that's great. So, uh, Daryl, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? So this is the first film I've watched this year. I've been trying to catch up on on films from last year to make a favorites of twenty twenty one list. Mm. Let me throw out the first one that comes to mind uh, from my catching up on twenty twenty one was the film Mass. Um, oh, that which is on my catch-up list. I still haven't watched it. I've been trying to get around to it. It's it's the story of of two uh, sets of parents uh, who lost uh, children in a um, uh, mass school shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the sets of parents was uh, lost a, a son as a victim. The other lost their son, who was the shooter, mm-hmm. and. It's directed by uh, Fran Kranz, I believe, who played like the stoner in Cabin in the Woods and has been in a few Whedon series. Wouldn't have expected uh, this guy who I've only known as kind of a comedic actor to come out with this super serious drama, which doesn't and it doesn't get much into politics which is you know a huge you know touch point boiling point but it 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 approaches the story from a very human emotional perspective and mm-hmm. it just it blew me away like it's it's the type of film that it could be like a one act play right but it works as a film too, and and that's always impressive to me when I when I see something that's shot basically in one location, um, and it still has that dramatic feel on film. So yeah. Mass was good. Awesome, yeah, great recommendation. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up on that one as well. Uh, but awesome, Daryl. Why don't you tell people again where they could find you and uh, everything that you're up to? Yeah, so this should be dropping um, while. The Damn Short Film Festival is in swing. Yep. You can still, um, anybody listening, uh, can go to damnshortfilm.org and buy some passes to see some awesome independent films from all across the country and the world. International films are also featured. And um, Q&As with filmmakers. Um, so I would encourage anyone to check that out. Um, that's what I'm doing this weekend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can also, uh, catch me sometimes occasionally writing about film at Rise Up Daily and Film Inquiry. 
Awesome. And uh, and we've got the uh, Cyber Shorts VR Film Festival coming later this year? That's going to be coming up in June. That's All right. right. Well, maybe we'll get you back on around then uh, when, when the time comes. That would be awesome. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Moonfall. Thanks to Daryl for joining me on that one. And as always, I got to ask you to make sure you're subscribed to piecing it together wherever you listen to podcasts i don't know do i really have to i mean if you're listening you're probably subscribed but if you're not subscribed make sure you subscribe and while you're at it you can rate and review us we really appreciate all the five star ratings over on apple podcasts and good pods and uh spotify and all those places pocket casts no not pocket cast pod chaser that's the one yeah anywhere you listen if there's a five star button hit the five stars uh, you can also follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And also, sometimes when I remember during this outro spiel that I do, uh, I ask you guys to get in touch with me and tell me if there's any puzzle pieces you want to, you know, tell me that we missed on the show, or maybe if you ever want to join me for an episode. Well, JC from the Screen Fix podcast, who has been a guest here on Piecing It Together a few times in the past, I've guessed it on his podcast. Uh, he sent me a DM the day after he saw Moonfall. He said, if I said this, The Abyss, Terminator, Pixels, Guardians 2, Prometheus, what movie would you say I'm referring to? I like that. Uh, JC gave me a little uh, reverse piecing it together action there. That was fun. I, of course, got it. I knew he was talking about Moonfall. A couple of pieces in there that we didn't bring up on the show. Uh, I definitely could see how they would fit, though. So that does it for today's episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. If you like the show, share it. That's also the the best thing in the world is when people share the show. Uh, click the, the retweet or share or share it from one place to another. Anytime you're sharing it, I really appreciate it. Let's close this with a piece of music like I always do. And uh, you might be thinking that the moon falling on the earth is something that could never happen. Never happen. It would never happen. So I'm going to play a song called Never from my album, An Unseen Sky. Uh, there's a cool music video for this one. It has nothing to do with the moon falling on Earth. It's a uh, dark, dramatic relationship thing uh, directed by Chris Johnson, who directed the film Beater that I released a soundtrack album to in 2020. But anyway, he directed the music video for this song. Uh, the album, An Unseen Sky, is available everywhere you can listen to music. Hope you enjoy the song, Never. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.